Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. This is episode 122. My name is Carter Krishnire. We're going to do something a little bit different this week, predicated by current events and questions that people have asked me both on direct message and directly on Twitter. My Twitter handle, by the way, is KKFLA737. Robert Bucciolato was not with us this week. He will be back next week. But wanted to do something predicated on current events. Obviously, here in Florida, we're going through a record spell of the coronavirus pandemic, record hospitalizations, daily cases, uh, somewhere between 22 and 27,000 each day. We've got, uh, uh, we had 1,727 deaths this past week in the state of Florida. We had something like 1,500 deaths the week before. Absolute suffering in the state of Florida and the height of the pandemic, and we're one of the global epicenters of the coronavirus pandemic. You can actually read our coverage of the COVID pandemic uh, from a progressive perspective on thefloridasqueeze.com. However, we're going to talk about another place that has really suffered under this coronavirus pandemic, which is Louisiana, uh, this summer. And now has been hit by Hurricane Ida, a monster storm, Category 4 storm, a storm that retained major hurricane status for uh, something like 10 hours after it made landfall uh, the other night, Uh, Sunday night. uh, This podcast is being released on Tuesday morning, August 31st, uh, Sunday night. Uh, Sunday, August 29th. So by the way, we, we often re- uh, record these podcasts, Robert and I, weeks in advance and uh, get our subject material down. And it being a history podcast, it's usually not uh, necessarily um, responsive to current events. But uh, this this podcast is being recorded uh, the day it's uh, hours before it's being released. So uh, bear with me on that because I got a number of questions about in the lead up to Hurricane Ida making landfall in Louisiana. Why is there an area of Louisiana known as the Florida parishes? So I thought given what's going on in contemporary Louisiana right now, uh, everybody's uh, fixated on Hurricane Ida and also on on, uh, covid Let's talk about this. Uh, It is a topic of Florida history, even though uh, it does apply to what is now the state of Louisiana. So previously on this podcast, we discussed the Gulf Coast campaign during the American Revolution. And during that uh, series of podcasts where we discussed the Gulf Coast campaign, we talked about Baton Rouge being part of British West Florida. So, let's go through the brief history of this. Before 1762, France controlled Louisiana, the entirety of Louisiana, which would be the areas which the U.S. purchased in the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, as well as the much of the area that became part of the British province of West Florida, the British colony of West Florida, uh, a year later. So the French are defeated in the Seven Years' War, as it was known in Europe, and in other places it was fought. There were battles uh, in Africa. There were several battles in India. In fact, the most significant event in 
the British conquest of the Indian subcontinent happened during the Seven Years' War, 1757, the Battle of Palashi, or Plassey, Plassey in English, Palashi in Bengali, uh, in Bengal, where the French uh, backed uh, a Bengali state and uh, uh, a Mughal Empire were defeated. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into this. Obviously, I have a lot of knowledge of Indian history. We're defeated in a battle by the British and Robert Clive under very suspicious, treacherous circumstances. But anyway, so there was fighting in India. There was fighting in Europe, Seven Years' War, and fighting in North America, the French and Indian War. The British had captured Havana in 1762. Uh, Spain was aligned with the French. In order to, and they had captured Manila. There was fighting in, in, in uh, East Asia as well. In order to get Manila and Havana returned to them, the British demanded that East Florida be ceded to them. So, uh, or what was the, the Spanish colony of Florida be ceded to them. Florida was ceded to them, and then. The parts of Louisiana that were east of the Mississippi River, uh, the British uh, took and added to the to Florida. Areas west of the Mississippi River, Louisiana, which ended up being the area in the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, ends up in Spanish hands. So the Spanish lose Florida, but they pick up Louisiana. The British pick up Florida, and then add the areas that the French ceded to them, that they took from the French, which were east of the Mississippi River and west of the Perdido River, uh, French areas, which included Mobile, Natchez, and Baton Rouge. Those are really the only three towns in that uh, that that area at the time. Uh, that became part of the British colony of East Florida, of West Florida. Excuse me. So. Um, and then that was attached to Pensacola, which had been part of the of Spanish Florida, had been briefly under French hands from 1719 to 1722, but really it had always been Spanish. Uh, they drew the line at the Apalachicola River. Everything east of the Apalachicola River was East Florida, governed from St. Augustine. Everything west of the Apalachicola to the Mississippi River. So everything between the Apalachicola and the Mississippi River. The Apalachicola, if you're not familiar, is the river that uh, comes up uh, kind of split uh, is where the central time zone and eastern time zone are, are split and then uh, flows into Lake Seminole and splits into the Chattahoochee River, which comprises much of the border between Alabama and Georgia today, and the uh, Flint River, which flows through um, Albany, among other cities in Georgia. So uh, the, Chatt the Chattahoochee River, Flint River uh, flow into Florida at Lake Seminole and come out the Chattahoochee River. Uh, excuse me, the Apalachicola River. So in 1763, the British troops arrived in Pensacola. They took possession of Pensacola from the Spanish. George Johnstone was appointed as the first British governor. 1764, a colonial assembly is convened in Pensacola, much like other British colonies in North America. The structure of the colony was modeled after all the other British colonies in, in North America. In fact, Georgia was fairly new at that time. 1733 is when James Oglethorpe founded Georgia, a colony immediately to the north of East Florida, uh, based around Savannah, was the main settlement in Georgia at the time. Uh, Quebec, which um, the British also gained through the French and Indian War after defeating the, uh, the, the French, was governed completely differently. 
West Florida began to boom once the British took over, and thousands of new arrivals uh, came to take advantage of, of some of the uh, incentives that the British government put in place. We've talked previously on this podcast about the incentives that were put in place uh, and some of the land-grant schemes around East Florida. West Florida was actually easier to get people to come to and settle. So um, West Florida was um, was prosperous during uh, the British period. West Florida was invited in 1775, uh, 1774, much like East Florida was, to send delegates to the Continental Congress. They declined. Um, the colonists in West Florida remained overwhelmingly loyal to the British. But it wasn't quite like uh, like East Florida, where there was a lot of uh, action around St. Augustine, as we've talked about, until that seven, until 1779 in the Gulf Coast campaign. There weren't the the uh, Americans or the colonists had made three attempts to invade East Florida to capture St. Augustine. Seeing St. Augustine is very strategic. We've talked previously about George Washington's awareness and consciousness about the need to to, 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 to uh, deal with uh, the British presence in East Florida at St. Augustine, even as early as uh, while the Americans are, are laying siege to Boston in, in the winter of 1775, before the British uh, left Boston in early 1776. Washington is in a letter to Henry Knox saying, we need to do something about Florida. We need, we need to take East Florida. West Florida was not on Washington's mind at that point. It was not on the mind of the American colonists. But as we've talked about previously, we'll skip over this. Uh, You can go back and listen to our episode. uh, I think it was episode 98 or 99 on the Gulf Coast campaign uh, where uh, Bernard Galavez was able to, uh, once Spain aligned with the United States, the newly formed United States, able to to drive the British out of uh, Baton Rouge, Natchez, Mobile, Lake Pontchartrain, right? It started with a battle on Lake Pontchartrain where there actually was American, an American presence, a colonial presence. Uh, same thing at Baton Rouge, uh, Natchez, Mobile. Uh, the British fell back from these positions, but they wanted to hold Pensacola. So uh, there's another episode we did on the siege of Pensacola that was an epic struggle and had a direct impl- uh, correlation to what happened at Yorktown later that year, which was the decisive battle in the Revolutionary War. Pensacola, very important. The Battle of Pensacola, or the Siege of Pensacola, and and uh, the Spanish capturing Pensacola in that. So uh, the British are driven from West Florida, but remember they put much of what we what is now modern day Louisiana in this province of West Florida. They have effectively split Louisiana. Uh, the, there was a British part of Louisiana and a Spanish part of Louisiana that was effectively split after the French and Indian War. And the British part of Louisiana got renamed Florida, or West Florida. In 1785, the Spanish, now in control of, of West Florida, now the, the British ceded East Florida to the Spanish, and the Spanish took control of St. Augustine again in 1784. That wasn't clear that that was going to happen. It looked like the British were going to try and hang on to St. Augustine. And then in the Treaty of Paris, or the treaties that ended the American Revolutionary War, did cede St. Augustine to the Spanish, or cede East Florida, which caused all kinds of problems, because what had happened is, uh, when we're going to do number of things on this in the future. number of loyalists had fled to St. Augustine, the loyalists from Georgia and the Carolinas. Uh, once, uh, uh, after the Battle of Yorktown, there had been a swelling of, of refugees to St. Augustine in late 1781 and 1782. And then promptly, uh, 
it, it, it ended up back in Spanish hands. Now, some of those loyalists did stay. They felt better in St. Augustine than in this new uh, United States of America, newly independent United States of America. But again, that's for another show. So, in 1785, the, the Spanish moved the boundary of East and West Florida eastward to the Suwannee River, which meant the entire former province of Appalachia, which as we've talked about previously, population was wiped out in 1704 when uh, James Moore from Carolina, the governor of Carolina, invaded that area, destroyed the missions, uh, hauled thousands of uh, uh, natives and uh, and African Americans and, and uh, others into slavery, killed a, a bunch of people, uh, also had a uh, wiped out a couple of missions along the Flint River near Albany, what's uh, modern-day Bainbridge also, there was a mission. So that area had been depopulated for a long time, although it would become prominent in the 18-teens, again, because of uh, runaway slaves and the Seminoles uh, being in that area. Uh, but we're not concerning ourselves with that today. We are concerning ourselves with the portion of Florida that became part of the U.S. state of Louisiana. So what happened after that was um, there were more and more Americans who moved to West Florida because of the incentives the Spanish were given or people from the southern uh, southern United States, what we used to call of the southern colonies. So there were people from Georgia who had settled what is now Alabama and moved into that area and were, were, were colonizing it and were fighting with the Creek Indians, the Creek Native Americans uh, and the Cherokee. Same thing, people who got from the Carolinas into what is now Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, some of those people were incentivized to move to West Florida. Now, what ended up happening in this uh, period was that um, as more and more uh, Americans moved into the area, the composition and culture of the area became very much like the southern United States. Then in 1803, so in 1800, Spain cedes Louisiana to Napoleon in France. And makes an agreement that that Napoleon makes an agreement, and Talleyrand, his foreign minister, make an agreement with Spain that they'll, uh, if they're ever going to vacate the territory, they'll give it back to Spain. Well, they break that, right? They decide with the uh, slave rebellion uh, on what is now Haiti, Santo Domingue, and Napoleon being uh, potentially concerned about it. A renewal of European wars. Now, the previous wars had ended in 1802, and we know in 1805, war would start again. Napoleon would be crowned emperor in 1804 by the Pope uh, in a very uh, ostentatious ceremony, to say the least. Uh, it's not a, this is not a podcast on Napoleonic history. I could go on and on about Napoleon, but uh, <laughs> we go back to West Florida. So, Napoleon bails out, right? He sells Louisiana, as we know, to Thomas Jefferson in the United States. Jefferson's not even sure if this is constitutional, buys it anyway, uh, 1803. Now, the Spanish are left with Florida without, with the United States surrounding them on, 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 uh, to the west and to the north. Not a great uh, uh, situation for the Spanish, especially having all these American settlers, 
So the Americans had demanded or claimed, including Jefferson, that West Florida was part of the Louisiana Purchase. But of course, the French had never reassumed control of the parts of Louisiana that were ceded to the British east of the Mississippi River. That had been uh, transferred by the British into their colony of West Florida, split from Louisiana. So it had been split from Louisiana since 1763. The Spanish say, we're in control of this land, okay? And this is our territory. It's disputed between the U.S. and Spain. The U.S. claims that they bought all of Florida at, at times, which was crazy because East Florida had never been under control of the uh, the French and, in fact, had been very distinct, uh, a very distinct uh, loyalist colony, as, we, as we've talked about before, for the British. So, in fact, some U.S. negotiators were very unsatisfied with the Louisiana Purchase. They had bought all of this... Um, this land, right, uh, along Lewis and Clark went and explored all this un- unknown, unexplored land inhabited by natives, a lot of mountains, very rough terrain. Their goal when negotiating the Louisiana Purchase had been to get New Orleans as the port and entry point to the Mississippi River and West Florida. They were more concerned about Florida for obvious reasons, if you just think of geography, right, the, what ends up being Louisiana and one of the great bargains in in probably world history, the U.S. getting control of that Louisiana territory, they were only concerned about New Orleans. And they had the uh, Northwest Ordinance, of course, had uh, passed in 1787. They were beginning to settle what is now the Midwest United States. But Florida was a much more immediate concern uh, for the fledgling United States than places which are now in Missouri or Kansas or Oregon. They, those were not... Uh, it turned out to be a great deal, but in, in 1803 and 1804 and 1805, they were really kind of perplexed, probably could have spent all this money, some Americans, including the negotiators, and not gotten Florida. Florida seemed much more important. So the U.S. begins to stir things up very subtly in Florida. We talked about the Patriots War before in East Florida in 1812, which was initiated by the United States, was a uh, act of hostility by the United States against Spain, who was technically uh, sort of neutral in the War of 1812, maybe not. I mean, in reality, the British effectively uh, controlled the strategic elements of Florida during the War of 1812, and we can effectively say there was a front of the war fought in Florida. And uh, even though East Florida was was British territory was Spanish territory. He kind of acted as if it was British territory, as as you can claim the areas of West Florida uh, from the Apalachicola River to the Suwannee River were effectively uh, a lot of Native American allies of the British that were in those areas, and British officers and and former loyalists that had fled to Florida that were now um, working with Native Americans and runaway slaves to fight the Americans. That was not the situation west of the Perdido River, which is now obviously the border between Florida and um, Alabama. That was made up mostly of people who were uh, who had been British loyalists but were uh, sympathetic to the United States. Now they were culturally kind of like now the the Americans in the Southern colonies. They were slaveholders. Uh, they were people who were not. Uh, did not want to live under Spanish rule. So, in West Florida, from June to September of 1810, there were many secret meetings about those who resented Spanish rules. 
and some open conversations in Baton Rouge. And then there was something called the West Florida Rebellion that brewed and the in, and an establishment of an independent republic of uh, West uh, Florida at St. Francisville, which is in present-day Louisiana, and armed rebels who stormed Fort San Carlos at Baton Rouge, killed two uh, Spanish soldiers. This was on September 23rd, 1810, in a sharp and bloody firefight, uh, and... They wrestled control of the region from the Spanish. The Spanish had, did not have many soldiers in this area. Uh, St. Augustine was very fortified. Pensacola was very fortified. Nothing else was uh, in West Florida. And um, so the Republic of West Florida uh, was declared. And upon learning of the revolt, President Madison wanted to move quickly to annex West Florida. Um, but he knew he couldn't send the military in without Congress approving it, um, and Congress was out of session. And if you send the military in, the Spanish, it might cause a greater conflict. And at this point, the Spanish are fighting Napoleon in the Peninsular War, bloody, bloody war. Napoleon put one of his brothers, Joseph Bonaparte, on the throne of Spain, and the Spanish crown per se, if you want to call them that, even though they had been ousted from power in, in some regard, as Napoleon puts his brother on the throne, they're aligned with the British. So the British, if the British are, if you start a conflict with Spain, you might start a war with Britain. And it was a war that the U.S. was could ill afford to fight. Now, they went ahead and fought it two years later, and they were still ill-equipped and Ill, could ill afford to fight it uh, in 1812. One of the great strokes of luck in American history is that the United States wasn't torn apart and destroyed and and fell apart as a country because of the War of 1812. I mean, I I don't think historians and people who tell American history or tell the myths of American history talk enough about how idiotic that war was. Now, if you go north of the border into Canada, they talk about it all the time. To them, that was a war of independence. To them, the Americans were trying to conquer them. Uh, They uh, stuck with the British crown and uh, were... uh, uh, were able to resist an American invasion. So anyway, at this point, you did not have an opportunity for Madison to get congressional approval. He, But he didn't want to let the opportunity pass, because if you let the opportunity pass, then... It might pass forever. As I said, in 1803, when the negotiators had negotiated the Louisiana Purchase, they were more concerned about purchasing Florida than they were about purchasing what was the rest of Louisiana uh, or the, the, the French province of Louisiana. They wanted West Florida and they wanted New Orleans, which is on the other side of the Mississippi River. But they, the, the, the Florida parishes, uh, as we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, extend all the way to Baton Rouge. They extend all the way to the Mississippi River. So um, there was an election where Fulworth Skipwith was elected governor on November 7th of this newly um, independently declared state, the Republic of West Florida. He, for several weeks, uh, prepared armed forces and wanted to wrestle the rest of uh, West Florida away from the Spanish. Obviously, Baton Rouge and the areas along the Mississippi and what are now Louisiana were part of uh, this new republic. The United States... 
did not intervene at this point. And so Skipwith said because the U.S. had tolerated Spanish um, occupation of West Florida, they then didn't intervene in October or November of 1810. They forfeited their right. We're going to be independent. So um, this was not something that the Americans could tolerate. So what ended up happening was eventually after Skipwith took the oath of office as the governor, there was a negotiated settlement where they uh, began – and there was all kinds of drama. Uh, you don't want to get too into it uh, f- – the fort in Baton Rouge, they were they had they had militarized the, this Republic of West Florida. Long story short, they um, negotiated a settlement with the Americans. So the Americans came in, um, and the flag of the Republic of West Florida was lowered. In uh, they had actually created a flag in eighteen in uh, December eighteen ten. And on January 15th, 1811, Congress signed a joint resolution uh, making this area part of the state, uh, part, part of the United States. And in 1812, it was added to the new state of Louisiana. So these are the Florida parishes of Louisiana. The areas of West Florida that were that are that are now in the state of Mississippi and the state of Alabama, they were not ceded to the United States until 1813. And that's something we can talk about in another podcast. This rebellion and this Republic of West Florida was very popular in what are now the Florida parishes of Louisiana. They, it was not supported um, in the areas which are now in Mississippi, Alabama, or Florida, the Florida Panhandle. And as we said, the, the uh, Spanish colony of West Florida extended all the way to the Suwannee River. So that um, is why those are called the Florida parishes. And in 1990, the state of Louisiana formally designated that part of the state as the Republic of West Florida Historic Region, more colloquially known as the Florida parishes. And Interstate 12, which runs um, from Slidell, Louisiana, or a little past there, right, that uh, Hammond, uh, if you take I-10, you go south into into New Orleans, and then you come back through Baton Rouge. Uh, but 12, that that end, that is actually the um, uh, been designated as the Republic of West Florida Parkway. So you have a number of parishes that are now known as the Florida parishes. East Baton Rouge Parish, East Feliciana Parish, Livingston Parish, St. Helena Parish, St. Tammany Parish, Tangi Paho Parish, Washington Parish, and West Feliciana Parish. Those are all uh, part of the Florida parishes. So a little kind of peculiar part of Florida history that I got asked about because I guess uh, on a lot of the uh, the reports as, as Ida approached the Louisiana coast, 
there was talk of the Florida parishes, so a number of you who listen and follow me on Twitter said, hey, what are the Florida parishes? Why is there a part of Florida or something named for Florida and Louisiana? So that winded explanation. Thank you once again for listening to the Florida History Podcast. We'll be back with another podcast next week. You can uh, read our, our articles at thefloridasqueeze.com. Check me out at Twitter at KKFLA737. And thank you once again for listening.